Hi, this is Andrea. And this is Fiorenza. Welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us. The purpose of this podcast is to bring voices together to talk about belonging. Through inspiring real-life conversations with our guests, we learn about how belonging can show up in so many different ways, what it feels like to belong, and the impact of truly belonging. In each episode, we will offer you inspirational and practical strategies to find your true voice in your life, in society, and as a leader. Let's dive in. And our guest today is the amazing Maha Mamo. Maha was born a stateless person in Lebanon, Beirut, and lived in the shadow for 26 years. She holds an MBA degree, Master in Business Administration, and moved to Brazil in September 2014. Since then, she's an activist on raising awareness, defending human rights, and improving the situation of stateless first people. The tireless fight to belong finally paid off in October 2018, when she gained the Brazilian citizenship. She's my citizen. <laughs> um, sharing her life story, her struggle as a stateless, and how she overcame all the obstacles made her a motivated speaker for private companies and spokesperson for the United Nations I Belong campaign in order to contribute to eradicating stateless worldwide by changing the laws and giving more visibility. Maha, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we want now with your own words to share uh, with us your story. I know that you repeat this many times, but uh, tell us who is Maha? <laughs> well, Maha is a normal human being living in the world, trying to change this world to a better place. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. So I would say, first of all, if you could explain to uh, what is this being in a stateless person mean? And what is this? Now I know that you, your purpose, as it says, is to help people. But what is behind all of this that you are doing now for these stateless people? Sure. So a stateless person means those people that they don't have no identity, no passport, no birth certificate, nothing that proves who you are. Some people, they are born stateless because when you're born, you can get your nationality depending on the country where you're born. So if you're born in the United States, you can get the American nationality once you're born on the territory. They don't care who's your mom, who's your dad. Once you're registered and you're born on that land, then you're American. The other way to get your nationality is through blood. So through bloodline, if you're born, let's say in Italy, you're not Italian, you can get the Italian nationality only if your parents are either your mom or dad, then you can get the nationality. In my case, I was born in Lebanon. You're Lebanese, 
only if your father is Lebanese. Lebanon is still one of the 24 countries where a woman cannot give nationality to her kids. So in my case, my dad is not Lebanese, so I'm not Lebanese. My mom is not Lebanese too. Both of them are Syrian. So logically, I should be Syrian through bloodline. But my mom is Muslim and my father is Christian. In Syria, the interreligious marriage is illegal. So once they fall in love, they run from Syria to Lebanon. They had three kids, me, my sister, and my brother in Lebanon. We were not Lebanese, and at the same time, we're not Syrian because Syria does not recognize interreligious marriage. They, doesn't, they don't recognize single mom or single dad. That's why we were stateless. We didn't have no documents. And stateless means many, many challenges. How come you're going to study if you don't have document? How you will work if you don't have document? How are you going to go to the hospital if you don't have documents? Everything you need to do and you take for granted in your normal life, daily life, like driving a car, traveling, uh, having a family, getting married, all your dreams are based on something maybe so simple, as Andrea said, but this simple thing is what really identify you, is when you question yourself, who I am, where do I belong? Am I Lebanese? Am I Syrian? Who I am? There is someone else that still lives the same way that me and my sister and my brother are living, or I'm alone in this world. Because mm -hmm. mainly, when you look around you, you think you're by yourself. You can't even share your story because you always feel you're less from the other people that they are next to you. So that's being stateless. That's being raised as a children, as a child of parents that they have nationality. So they are able to travel, to go, come, to live a normal life. But you, your sister and your brother as a child, you don't really recognize what's the problem and what's really happening with you. Until you're a teenager, when you start questioning more and more, when you start seeing that you personally are losing a lot of opportunities. I was recruited to play basketball with a professional team. I was not able to join because I didn't have documents. I wanted to study medicine. I was not able to join the university because I didn't have documents. And then I had to fight and I had to search for a favor from different universities, from different people, because at a certain point, you can get and understand that education is so important. And without education, you cannot go forward. So that's why I wanted to study. I didn't care if it was doctor, if it wasn't, whatever it is, I just want to study. Even though knowing that my certificate is not valid, because the person itself does not exist and does not belong. So the certificate having your name doesn't mean you're going to get any job or you're certified. Mm -hmm. So I started going to many universities. One of them accepted me. They said, okay, you can pay, you can study, why not? They didn't have medicine. They have business and computer. That's why I told the administration, I want something in between. I studied business computer. This is management information system. And I did my master's degree in that university. And that's why I have master's in business administration. Mm -hmm. But how are you going to study 
pay the fees without working. And working without documents means you work more, you get paid less, and all those challenges that you can ever imagine mm -hmm. in your life. Knowing that now in those difficult days that we're living since last year in the pandemic, I got a lot of calls, a lot of messages from many people, some that they knew me, some that they heard about my story, and they said, now we can feel a little bit what does mm -hmm. statelessness mean, where we can't go out from our house, where we cannot do go to work, where we cannot, we should think if we're going to have a place inside the hospital or no, yeah. if they will accept us or no. So this is statelessness. This is the challenges of stateless people. This is the feeling of not belonging to any specific place. And especially when you feel like when you start searching, first, when you're living this experience, you don't really know the term or mm -hmm. the definition. Right. And then once you find out about the definition and you start searching for it, at least this is what happened with me, you see that there are no organizations, there are no such thing that people are aware of, mm -hmm. that people are ready to help, that people are working on it. So that's why I decided that I need to be that person that if people search for statelessness, they're going to find a hope story, they're going to find someone who cares, someone who lived their life, and willing to help them and giving them some hope. I cannot give them nationality. I'm not a president. I don't have a country. I don't have nothing. The only thing I can give them is the sense of belonging that you're not alone in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this story. Um, I think like, like, you, like you said, um, we don't necessarily realize how much a piece of paper um, can mean uh, and so many different things is based still in our societies on that piece of paper um, mm -hmm. it's 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 quite it's 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 crazy and at the same time and you know as you were talking through the different um spheres of life that it 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 touches on you know I was like oh my god of course you know like wow right and it feels wrong as well, like, you know, why a hospital would need to see your, your documents to, to, to heal you at the end of the day, right? Um, I would love to know about your journey to Brazil and how that worked. Well, as a teenager, I wanted a solution. And even growing up and seeing this problem is bigger than what I thought and what I imagined. I really wanted a solution and my perseverance and my insistence of, I want to exist. I want to belong. I want to have a country that I can call my own. That's when I started sending my story. The only tool I had at that time was internet and the computer. So I started sending my story to all the world. Of course, I started logically by sending my story to Lebanon to the president of Lebanon, to the minister of Lebanon, because that's my comfort zone. That's where I was raised, where my parents live, where I have friends, where I talk the language, where I know everything about the country, where I belong there. 
So I got a lot of negative replies. They said, we're sorry, we cannot help you. We're sorry, we cannot help you. No, 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 no. And then I said, okay, I gave up on Lebanon. I said, I want Syria. This is my parents' country. I have the right to be Syrian. I started sending my story for them. I started asking, I cannot travel there because there are borders. How am I going to travel border without a document? So I received many replies and all of them were negative. That's when I decided to send my story to the entire world. I said, for now, I already had, uh, I have actually a kind of allergy. So whenever this allergy attacks me, every time it attacks me, it attacks me double of the last time that I had. So the symptoms are worse double than the last time I had it. So this allergy is, Name is urticaria. I have the highest level of, say, dangerous. So I went to the hospital three times. So three times. The first time was a little bit not so strong. The second time was double. The third time was quadruple from the first time. And every time I used to get there, I used to get unconscious. And it feels like this is the last time I'm going to make it. This time I'm not going to make it. So the fear of being dead, a stateless person, this pushed me to feel like, okay, I don't care. Any country of this world that's going to tell me you can come and live here as a human being with the minimum dignity and minimum rights, I'm going there. Mm -hmm. That's when I started sending my story to the entire world. I didn't have no criteria. I didn't have nothing. The only thing is that they have an embassy in Lebanon that could at least help me to get the path, the through the path, right? And to start the path. So I sent my story to the entire world. None of the countries accepted me. I got many replies. They were negative. The only country that denied me for nine consecutive years and then on the 10th year, they said, you're welcome, was my lovely Brazil. <laughs> and that wasn't because I was stateless. Because in 2014, Brazil, they opened the door for Syrian refugees. They had a special visa for Syrian refugees. As my parents were Syrian, that's why they considered us. And that's why they gave us a document, which is laissez passer to just travel from Lebanon to Brazil and start a new life. Wow. That's how Brazil chose me. I didn't choose Brazil. That's what I always say. <laughs> what is beautiful for this story that Brazil chose you is that um, there is this magical of um, it's meant to be in some way. I don't know any kinds of belief that anyone could have. And now God or whatever it is that uh, how um, in some way Maha became Maha, but not in so many ways. I know that uh, there was so many challenges. The story of your brother, Brazil, I know it's not an easy country. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of challenges, but also... No, as you were here now, and um, 
because it gave you also so many opportunities in, in become the person that you are now. Um, so how this, all of this, I know that uh, even reading your story now, it's such a short piece of time. Like in 2014, you moved to Brazil. Like I was in the United States already. Like for me, it was yesterday. And for you, it was a life change. In 2018, it's two years ago, more or less. It's not so much of time. You got your citizenship. Mm -hmm. And... You know, and how your life, uh, no, I don't know even the question here, but how you, <laughs> not this life change and you are this um, now person representing United Nations and being Maha now. Well, in 2014, when you get to a new country where I didn't speak the language even, I used to speak four languages. English, French, so oui, je parle français, Fiorenza, <laughs> <laughs> Arabic and Armenian. I didn't speak Portuguese. Yeah. I didn't know nothing about Brazil, only football, carnaval, and the insecurity that exists in Brazil. Because mm -hmm. everyone, whenever we were speaking with people in Lebanon and telling them, oh, we're going to Brazil, and they're like, no, Brazil, that's so dangerous. Yeah. They don't know the good part of Brazil. I always say what really fascinated me in Brazil is I didn't know no one. My dad, and from, I am from a very simple family. My mom, she's a housewife. My dad, he has a small truck and he moves people whenever they need to move inside Lebanon. So sometimes he had work, other days he didn't have work. So we always try to adapt with whatever money he got and we live. So he had to take money from his friends in order to send us to Brazil in an airplane because the tickets were so expensive. Yeah. So our first thing we were worried about, me, my sister, and my brother, is where are we going to sleep? Where is, if, is that insecure? Where are we going to sleep? That's when I started looking on social media. I found a family in Belo Horizonte, in Minas Gerais, a family that hosted me and my, me and my sister and my brother inside their own home. Mm. They said, you are more than welcome to come. They are a very simple family as well, but they were willing to help. Mm. They started asking the church, asking friends for some extra furnitures. So someone gave a bed, other gave a closet. Few, few, we started putting things together. When I arrived to Brazil, I was fascinated by the people by how amazing and how welcoming people are. Me personally, I had the privilege and the opportunity to participate in many talks, in many speeches, in many companies that they invited me all over Brazil. And at the same time, as a person that never traveled in my life, I love to travel. So I went to many different places in Brazil and every single city I visited was a different magic that came to me, a different magic that I faced, that I saw. It's paradise on earth. That's what I always say. Today, I've been to more than 26 countries, and still for me, my perfect place to be is Brazil. Wow. And I'm not saying because it's my country today. I'm saying because it's 
they have different magic again in each corner of the country. Mm-hmm. Speaking about the waterfalls, Foz de Iguazu, about the beaches in Bahia, about Rio de Janeiro, about everything. Even Minas Gerais, that no one hears about it. <laughs> we have very historical cities yes. all around Minas, like Oro Preto, Oro Branco, Chiradentes, places where once you visit, you can feel than 500 years but they have a lot of con- lot of architecture a mm-hmm. lot of beautiful places to visit so i got fascinated by brazil i needed to work in order to eat and live and survive my first job was working in pamfletas so distributing journals on the street you don't need to speak the language they're going to pay you end of the month and you're going to live your life trying and hoping for a better future. In 2014, I thought Brazil was ready for stateless people. I thought Brazil had the mechanism and had the law to accept us and give us nationality. The family that I lived with, they started asking their friends and friends asking other friends and family until they got to one specific girl, woman, So her name is Isabella Sena. Isabella, she speaks English. So that was for me so important because in Belo Horizonte specifically, people, they don't speak English. It's like 10% if you can find someone who speaks and who can communicate with you. She studied international relations. She studied international law. So on her studies, she studied something called statelessness. So she knows at least even a little bit about what does it mean to be stateless. And she used to work to volunteer with refugees in Belo Horizonte. Mm -hmm. So it was like the best match to someone to speak with and to try to understand what are the next steps that we are, we have to do. So she told me the first thing is you have to apply for refugee status. For me, it was like, no. I had refugees in Lebanon. I will become one now. Why? Why? Because this is the only way to stay in Brazil as legal. Mm-hmm. Because you have to dream to be accepted as refugee or else they will, I don't know what they will do with us. So our dream, and I don't think none of you ladies dream to be a refugee. Yeah. We dream to be accepted as refugee to get the document that says for five years we don't have to worry we're on the same territory no one gonna approach us no one gonna say nothing to us mm-hmm. we can at least have our fear gone on walking on the street if someone stop us we have something to show them like hey this is me this is maha you can see my name here to prove who you are the second thing was a bit surprising for us was that in Brazil, there is no laws. So even if I live 10 years, 20 years, 50 years in Brazil, I will not be able to get my Brazilian nationality. Because to be naturalized, even anyone who goes from a country to another country, you live for a specific time, they're gonna give you nationality. There are some requisitions. There are some things that you should provide and prove. Mm. And those points, The most important is they need your birth certificate. They need your other nationality. And how come? 
what should we provide? We had nothing. And then on November 2014, our big surprise was that the UNHCR, the United Nation of Human Rights, they launched for refugees. They launched a new campaign. The campaign name is, wait a second here. <laughs> I belong. This campaign started in 2014, is to end statelessness worldwide. Their goal was in 10 years, we're gonna end statelessness worldwide. It means in 2024, we're gonna have zero stateless. I used to think it was only me, my sister and my brother. And for the big surprise, the campaign said that the estimated number, as they don't have no data on stateless people, there is nowhere that you can go and say, start counting them because they don't mm -hmm. exist legally is that worldwide we have 10 million stateless people. That's wow. an estimation. That's nothing precise. That's when me, my sister and my brother, we were like full of hope. Said, yeah, in 10 years, we believe in the UN. Let's wait, we can make it. I started to participate on some UN events. They started inviting me as speaker. I started traveling with a special document issued from the Brazilian authorities that mm -hmm. allows me to travel to this specific seminars and come back. My sister and brother, they never went outside Brazil because they were not participating in no events. I was the only one active speaking. I don't work for the UN, so I'm not paid from the UN. No one pays me. I do this voluntarily. They pay my ticket, of course, my hotel, but this job is done from the own when I believe that we're going to change something. We're able to do something. Mm -hmm. Our dream was to be accepted as refugee. On May 2016, the first part of the dream became true. We are, were accepted as refugees. We got all the documents needed as a refugee in our hands. So with this specific ID that we got as refugee, we were able to apply for a driving license which is another dream as a kid, you know, when you get 18, you're gonna get your driving license. We couldn't, yeah. but with 28, as refugee, I was able to apply for my driving license, my first driving license. And then on 30 June, 2016, I got the worst day of my life. My brother is two years younger than me. And he suffered from three teenagers, they stopped him. They were trying to steal him on a gunpoint. And he was killed and shot by only one shot. He got one shot to his heart and he died as a stateless person. We were able to give him his death certificate only because he was accepted as a refugee. So we were able to give him the minimum dignity of a human being because he was accepted as a refugee. He died a stateless person. It was the worst experience and the worst moments, but they always say you got your power from the worst pain you live. Mm -hmm. That's when I decided from now on, I don't care, I don't have time to wait. And I don't want to die a stateless person as well. 
that's how I started to speak more and more. I lost my job, twin brackets, because I decided to dedicate myself to the cause, to statelessness, yeah. to see how we can contribute on changing the laws. So I don't say really well that I'm an activist. I don't fight with people. I don't fight with Lebanese government. I can totally understand that they need a little bit of work. They need to understand more and more. I rather say that I am a human rights advocate. That's what I do. I started sharing my story more and more. I did many documentaries. One documentary I did for BBC, it's four minutes. It was translated for 13 languages worldwide. So the story became more and more vital. I was on the best and the biggest televisions in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew about me. I participated even in one episode of soap opera because okay. I believe that everyone needs to know what statelessness. If we really yes. want to raise awareness, that's how we do it. And that's how I got my strength to start working as a motivational speaker because your bills will not stop coming. That's why you need to pay your bills. You need to survive even doing the activism part. And mm -hmm. so I started working as motivational speaker and I had the opportunity and the honor to be in Facebook, San Francisco, Unilever, Washington, in many big companies, Google, Facebook, San Paulo, and many small companies in school as well that they saw that human rights are very important and they invited me to share my story with them. On October, on 4th of October, 2018, I got my nationality. I became 100% Brazilian. So today, yes, I'm Brazilian. I have my Brazilian passport, my Brazilian identity, because I contributed on changing the laws in Brazil. Today, Brazil has a law for stateless people. They identify stateless people and then they have a mechanism to solve it. So they have people that they are well, they studied, they know what statelessness is, and they study case by case. Each story is different than another story. Mm -hmm. So they get the story, a revival of those countries that the people come from, and that's how they base their analysis on accepting or no people as stateless. So it wasn't a privilege, it was a mechanism that I passed through and I got my Brazilian nationality. Mm. And after getting the Brazilian nationality, of course, your conscience doesn't allow you to stop there. That's how I still work, I still do interviews, I still participate in everything in order to raise awareness, in order to let people know how important is it to know that even if you have a kid, go register him or her, register your kid because you never know what the future is hiding. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I, I feel it's, it's, it's such a privilege, right, to, to, to hear about your story and how much I, I think um, maybe younger people or actually I don't think the age matter, but how much lucky we are to have you um, to guide us, right? And to, to, to be on, on, on this journey with us and how much you have contributed to, you know, 
Brazil actually changing their laws and putting some laws into place. That is just wow, right? Amazing. Well, Brazil today is an example for the world. Me and my sister, we were the first humans in the history of Brazil to get the nationality through a law, a mechanism. So today, Brazil is an example for the world. And many other countries, they took the law that happened in Brazil and they applied on their own countries. So today, when I travel with the United Nations, when I participated in events, when I participate in seminars, I speak with the people that they are the change maker. I speak with people that they are from the government. And I try to explain to them that I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do like any other stateless person. We didn't choose to be stateless. Yeah. This is simply because humans, they wrote the laws and the human fail, right? You do many mistakes. And one of the mistakes that they failed of is to notice that those people that they are living in the shadow, they are people as well and they are human being. So what I really focus on and I try to tell them is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was in 1948. So we're 2021 now. And Article 15 of this Universal Declaration says everyone has the right to a nationality. Mm -hmm. And nationality is existence, is citizenship, is belonging to Mm -hmm. a place. So I don't expect no stateless people to travel from their comfort zone go they might have the chances 50 50 you might get the nationality if the country changed the laws or you might die trying but brazil they did it why not your own country as well do it mm. Absolutely. yeah yep. what would you say right now is your definition of belonging Today, my definition of belonging and existing is simply this flag. I belong to Brazil. Today, I have a country I can say proudly that I'm from there. Even though if you hear me speaking Portuguese, you're going to say, she has a different accent. Some people, they tell me, like, are you from the north? Are you from the south? They even think that I'm from Brazil, but I'm from different state. Others, they can recognize that I'm from outside, but all of them are so proud Mm. of that their own country helped me and gave me nationality. So my belonging today is belonging to a country that respects human rights, a country that gives me this opportunity of who I am today. I learned a lot in Brazil. I became more and more mature. I became the woman I am today because of Brazil. And there is so much here in all the pieces of these stories is about uh, not take life for granted. It's about you can go uh, fight, fight in a good way, but for your dreams, like now, go ahead. We don't have time to lose. There is so much nuggets, as we say here in this story of your story, and you are so young and so now with, uh, there is for sure more to come for Maha. So he what is, <laughs> he has for sure, we have no doubt. So what is, 
Um, what is important now for Maha after the citizenship, after having this belonging, what is important in continue sharing this story? Now we know about uh, changing laws, we know about everything, but uh, here inside of you. The most important is raising awareness. The yeah. most important is being able to help those people that they have no voice. Many of them, they can't even share their story of the fear of being detained, yeah. of the fear of going to jail, the fear of their own country stops them. So being the voice of all those voiceless people, yeah. that's what's most important for me. The most important is being able to help those people, especially today, my main work that I'm trying to do is with children. Mm-hmm. children that they have nothing to do with it i mean they have no they didn't do anything wrong right they were just born and they don't really know what's the biggest challenges waiting for them in the life so i try to help those children to somehow if there is a possibility to get their nationality so they don't pass through and live through everything I lived and they pass through in this life. This is most important for me. I know that I contributed on changing many lives. I don't count them. I can't see the direct impact, but I can hear from people. I was approached by government from Colombia. Yeah. This amazing woman and lady, she heard my story back on 2015. I was on a conference. I shared my story. She was there. We became friends. She has my WhatsApp, my contact. She always texts me. With the crisis that we faced with Venezuela, that mm-hmm. they are facing today, we have a lot of refugees from Venezuela. We have a lot of people and children that they are going to Colombia, to Brazil, to many mm-hmm. countries. There were more than 10,000 kids coming from Venezuela that they were not registered because of the cries and because of everything happening. And that's when she saw what was coming. She remembered my story and she remembered all my suffering and all my challenges. That's how she wrote a bill and she presented to the president of Colombia and they granted the Colombian nationality for 10,000 children. Wow. Wow. So did I do this? No, I didn't go there and I didn't present to the president, hey, you need to do and you need to give him nationality. In Brazil, after me and my sister today, the last number I knew about were 16 people that they were recognized as stateless people. 16, that they were living in a shadow, they didn't speak up, They for, for each one has his different, of course, aspects yeah. and life and all. So... Yeah, that's how I contribute. That's how my silent contributions come. Today I wrote my book. It's in Portuguese. Hopefully I'm going to be able to translate it to English soon. But for now it's in Portuguese. Yeah, it's so difficult to find a publisher and editor that are willing and they believe because they are like, oh no, no one is reading books right now. But for me, it's so important to have this book because I cannot even hear if we speak for two hours, three hours, four hours. I'm not be able to tell you all the details. Yeah. 
at least in this book, it's 272 pages. We tried to resume, me and my very amazing good friend, Darcio, he's a journalist. And his ways, imagine me reading my own story. I cried, I laughed, I felt myself <laughs> in Lebanon. But I was able to resume 30 years of my life on that book. So hopefully this is going to help people to be inspired, of people to look forward and people to, yeah, to raise awareness, sharing my story. And how can we, or me, Fiorenza, or people that will be watching us or whoever, support you with your cause as well no not not just saying i know maha but uh, <laughs> be part uh, now this is how i feel no i that uh, there is something here that uh, it's important uh, mm -hmm. in your story that um, if there is something that we could support you and your cause as well well, thank you. First, sharing the story. For me, this is so important. And this is the biggest part of letting the people know what statelessness means. Mm -hmm. Second, on personal level, if you want to help me, is you can indicate me for yes. people that they are looking for speakers. And yes. I can share my story and I can sustain myself. Yes. Keep doing this. I will. And now I have many projects that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So I have the, my website, mahamam.com. This website, I, I did a camp two weeks ago. It mm -hmm. was an online camp. It was for people that they are willing to help. And we helped uh, an NGO in Nepal for human trafficking. So we're just saying human trafficking, statelessness, it has nothing to do, but it has a lot to do because those people, they had three people that they were stateless because they were their own family sold them so i tried to work on many different things let's say many different projects everyone who approached me i'm ready to see how we can help and how we can do things now i'm studying as well at the same time with the usid wait it's the U.S. International Diplomacy and the Human Rights in Washington. Wow. So I'm doing a human rights advocate certificate. So wow. I know I don't really need it, let's say, but for me, I need it, yes, because I'm only one of all those stateless people. Mm -hmm. I know only statelessness. And learning about other human rights and learning about everything happening around us, that's only adding more value to everything we know and we appreciate in our life. That's why I never stop studying. Every time I participate in a seminar on statelessness, I love to be part of it from the beginning to the end, to understand more and more. And every time I'm really surprised by new information by new things that i didn't know about even about statelessness so i'm trying to be an expert on what i'm speaking about i'm expert on statelessness i lived it yes but i'm trying to learn more about human rights and about everything around 
You're such an inspiration, Maha. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, um, your story and where you're at right now. Um, I'm definitely moved by the different elements that you've shared with us. And I I hope that everyone who is watching, who's going to be watching, feels more informed about statelessness. Um, the challenges as well, the day-to-day challenges that this involves. Um, and also the, uh, I hope to say, the, maybe the, the, a bit of light at the end of the tunnel um, with some countries following the, the way of Brazil. Imagine this little girl that looked to the airplane and said, I will never be inside it. I was able to be inside it and many, many, many times today. Yeah. yeah. So don't give up on your dreams. Just... Live it. Thank you for listening to the Belonging Project podcast. We hope you enjoy our deep dive into belonging and listening amazing stories from our guests. We'd love you to share about the Belonging Project with your friends and colleagues. And also, we'd be delighted to connect on LinkedIn and share more about our experiences. Thank you again. And stay tuned for the next episode.